0: Your best ideas often come while you're in the shower, don't they? Something about those precious few minutes to yourself, the white noise of the water blocking everything out and then inspiration strikes. Well, what if that idea that hit you in the shower was a way to save water while showering? That's exactly what happened to the guys from Lava. This week on Beyond the Ordinary, we're doing things a little differently. Across three mini-episodes, you're going to hear from three former winners of Red Bull Basement. Red Bull Basement is a global programme that empowers student innovators to challenge the
1: status quo and make positive impacts. Now, and for the future. We've calculated that that would be enough to save the amount of drinking water for the population of Greater London.
2: So all the brainstorming, all the, you know, crazy ideas that, that Anna and I uh, had, you know, going into it, all kind of happened in the span of two days, right? So it, it, we just had two all-nighters in a row.
3: You be preparing for not winning. And then there's this line with your faces and you're not prepared for that.
0: <laughs> the interviews are hosted by Daniel Cronin, entrepreneur and investor who knows a thing or two about pitching. He's even done it while skydiving.
2: What makes a true entrepreneur for you? I think somebody who is really dedicated about uh, their product, their project, their company what they are doing. If you really wake up middle in the night, you think about the company. But the funny thing is, right now it's so high that it doesn't scare me anymore. Yeah. Oh my goodness!
0: In this first episode of three, we'll hear from Joanna Power and Paramveer Bachu, founders of Lava a company with a product they believe is going to save millions of liters of water every year. The next voice you'll hear is
2: Daniel Cronin. So I'm super happy to be talking to the Red Bull Basement winners of 2020, Joanna and Paramvia. So good to be speaking to you. We saw each other last time in November 2020, when we were so happy to announce that you won but let's call it a halt there, and I'd be super curious to find out what it actually is what you do. What's lava? Maybe, Joanna, you can tell us a bit about yourself and the company.
3: Hi, I'm Joanna. I'm one of the co-founders with And The company focuses on looking at sort of water issues, especially around students, because um, students actually waste a lot of water <laughs> compared to normal people.
2: Students waste a lot of water compared to people. I think a lot of it people. is because students
3: aren't really incentivized the same way most people are with a water bill. Because in the UK, a lot of student accommodations and households, the water's like included as an all-in-one bill. Um, so there's not really that sort of. <laughs> they don't really need to reduce it as much from their perspective, anyway.
2: And tell us what what is lava, lava actually? Takes do? the
3: abundance of shower water that students use. <laughs> um, and filters it and then uses it in their laundry process so that they don't have to use more water than for their laundry.
2: So Joanna, I'm I'm curious, tell us a little more about how it actually works. So students in the UK waste a lot of water and you've actually developed a physical device and that helps with that.
3: Yeah, so that right? um, the product is a small little portable washing machine And the users can remove the sort of tank on the side and place it on the shower floor like a mat so that when they shower, the off run of water from their body collects inside the mat. And then that can be loaded back into the washing machine and it's um, filtered and then used for their laundry.
2: That's so ingenious. I mean, the funny thing is when I saw it the first time, I was like, why didn't I come up with that? And when I was showering early on, I just had to look down and just looked at all the water going, going to waste and thought like, that is just so smart. But what, how did you come up with that?
3: I think that? a lot of it was sort of <laughs> the general idea of originally there was um, a sort of post online that mentioned how much water students use. And um, as designers, we're always taught to start, start sort of interviewing people, understanding sort of the root cause of the problem. So um, when I spoke to a lot of people and I was like, you know, hey, why aren't you reducing your shower water? Um, What I got back was often like from students, you know, we're stressed, leave us alone. Um, My shower time is precious to me. Like it's a de-stress or uh, I have a lot of hair to wash or and people started having like really interesting excuses and they were all so different that a device to kind of asked them to reduce their shower water looked really unlikely. So I sort of thought out the box and that's where the idea to sort of reuse the water came in.
2: That's so smart. Can you can you give us some numbers? Like how much more do students actually use or waste than non-student <laughs> yeah, sure. human so, beings?
3: Um, the average person uses 149 litres a day, um, 12% on showering and 13% on laundry. Um, but students... Um, from Warwick University use about 190 litres um, and students from our own university, because we've been chatting to the the lovely accommodation centre at our uni and collecting some of their data, has averaged from about 220 to 270 litres a day per person, which is a massive increase
2: Obviously we met well, not online, we, we met, well, we met over a bunch of screens during the finals of Red Bull Basement in, in 2020, which you won. How did you, how did you hear
3: about Oh, It was actually Basement. really interesting. Um, So there's a entrepreneurship society at our university. Um, And I joined because there's a lot of product contests. Um, And I also really wanted to sort of chat with business people because that was a weakness that sort of both of us had. So we joined the society, and they sort of regularly posted contests, and they posted the Red Bull contest. Um, and because it was sort of a contest for students, we really thought, you know, as students ourselves with an idea for students, this looks great. <laughs> That's where we joined in.
2: Yeah, I mean, Basement sounds like made for you because Basement is obviously all about driving positive change through tech solutions, and. Hey, that's totally you. So you had the idea, you built the prototypes, you applied for Basement, and obviously you had to take the regional uh, 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 contest first.
3: Um, How did that go? We were really, really nervous about the regional contest um, and trying to get online votes um, because at that point we didn't really have a following or sort of as many socials. So it was a little bit bit stressful, but it was just nice knowing that it wasn't just who got the most votes. There were still going to be people looking over it. Um, so that that was really good.
2: So, Parambia, I'm I'm curious. What was your expectation when you signed up for Basement?
1: I don't think Joanna and I really had uh, any massive expectations. We signed up uh, on a whim, and uh, we just thought we'd see how far we can go uh, with with our little idea. Um, and we were honestly really surprised when we when we. Well, not only one but even even on the smaller stages when we made it through to the uk um and we and we obviously got a, a lot of votes and then made it through to the finals it was it was quite overwhelming because we we didn't really expect anything
2: now i'm also curious i mean i mean first of all that's always the best story isn't it? if you join up you're not expecting anything but then obviously it must have been real hard work so so what was like some of the challenges you you met and maybe some of the things you underestimated in the process i think um Probably
1: one of the biggest was time, Um, especially with our idea being very product based. uh, We thought it was best to, you know, create a model and and show up with something physical. And we very much underestimated um, the kind of cost and time and everything it would take to create that model. Um, And then the last week before the actual global final was a a bit of a scramble for us as we were trying to get everything together and uh, and and have something presentable really but uh, we 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 managed to work with it and um obviously it's balancing all that alongside
2: our studies was quite tough as well because i mean the thing is obviously if you have a real physical product just to put it into context for for our listeners who may be not so much into the startup world it's a very different ball game to let's see some lines of code because obviously code you can change anytime you can deploy code globally by the press of a button. Whereas if you have a real physical product, I mean, that stuff costs money. That has to be shipped, that if it breaks, you're done. Is that something you were aware of before that obviously doing something physical can be way more challenging than code? i think absolutely um but it,
1: it kind of comes from our background we are product designers you know we are industrial designers we it's the kind of thing that we do we do create physical products so we're, we're used to that kind of high pressure um uh, environment of, of of physical products um yeah
2: <laughs> so, so basically joanna I seeing you anyway didn't have any choice right because that's what you do and yeah it was, was, doing it was that definitely anyway.
3: what we knew but I think there's also a sort of situation where I don't think you get away in the world with only code um you know like you need to sit at a chair and a table and use a microwave and, and a fridge um and code unfortunately like it, it doesn't go that far <laughs> so while code's great for fixing issues like for people's time management or for implementing software um it doesn't it's it's a lot harder to get to the root cause of issues. Obviously we're biased saying that because we're product designers. Um
2: <laughs> Well obviously you are, but,
3: yeah. Um That's so that's sort of how we took it, where it was like if we want to really fix this issue and not just have someone uninstall an app when they're fed up of saving water, <laughs> we need to create something physical.
2: Because I mean here's here's the disclaimer. Now obviously if you're triggering some coders out there. It's just as difficult, but in a different way. Now, if you're a non coder, non starter person, just think of, let's say, Formula One and rallying. I mean, Formula One is all about knowing a circuit perfectly and optimizing that, and you have all the data you need in the world. However, it requires perfection and speed and guts and determination. And rallying, then again, is very much about having very limited information and making the best of it. It's just as difficult, just as hard, requires just as much professionalism. It's both motorsport, but it's a different discipline. And you can't always apply, let's say, the same approach. Now, if you take a rally driver and put him or her in a Formula One car and saying, well, I guess it's probably to the right, probably in the third gear, might as well, they'll never win. And vice versa. So, you need to develop your product and you need to develop your company differently than if you would code or if you'd have a physical product. How long did it take from the initial idea, from saying, like, this is totally going to work, to actually having a working,
3: let's say, oh, prototype? Um, we've, we're now finding out it takes a lot longer than we originally thought. <laughs> um, many, many prototypes. Um, I know. Dyson always quotes that he used, he created one, two, three, hundreds of prototypes before he got to a level where um, he felt the product was sort of effective at what it does. Um, Honestly, years. It depends how large your team and how complex your product. Every single part you add has to then be developed to manufacture and able to be built. Um, so ages. <laughs>
2: Now, that's a very sophisticated answer. It took ages. <laughs> but but just, I mean, what did you initially assume? And what's your current professional guess?
3: Um, we initially assumed uh, that with funding, the whole process of getting a sort of MVP um, would be about one to two years. In, in the situation we're now in, one to two years, well, about one year in, I'm realizing it's more like five or seven.
2: (laughs) And and I mean, to be honest, that's a normal thing. That's the normal thing. That's the beauty about the startup world and the entrepreneurship world. You start doing things and while doing things, you discover them and bit by bit, you kind of put the puzzle back together again. Now, I'm curious, um, what the two of you think of one of my favorite quotes along the startup world, and that someone once said, um, you need an entrepreneurial IQ. Um the entrepreneurial IQ is you have to be smart enough to have the idea and dumb enough to actually do it. Yeah, Joanna, what do you think about that quote? Smart enough to have the idea, dumb enough to actually do it.
3: I was, yeah, I um, <laughs> definitely agree. Um, because we went into it uh, sort of, again, from the product design point where we sort of went in and went, yeah, this will solve issues. Um, we didn't know the process. We went into it so sort of unaware <laughs> and uneducated. So, looking back on it, uh, yeah, definitely like dumb enough to do it for sure. For sure.
2: I think he would have. Now, I have a vivid memory because obviously I co hosted uh, a basement last year. It was actually when we announced you, the two of you, as winners. Joanna, it was so interesting because I, obviously I knew that you were going to win like a minute or two before you knew it because obviously being the host you you know i get the envelope and it says your name in it so i usually when, when i host these kind of events i i love kind of observing the people's faces the second we get to announce it and some people are, they go like of course i won i knew i would win and you, which is perfect fine perfect but in the case of the two of you i had that i had the feeling you were in shock when we announced your name so how how was that actually
3: yeah no we were definitely surprised we really didn't think it was us because we'd actually had a discussion in the break about how smart one of the technologies of the other group were Um, we were we thought that the team with the device that was able to use sounds to generate energy was one of the smartest ideas we'd ever seen we were honestly in love with it we thought they were the best team ever um, we, you know we found ourselves sort of wanting to chat to them and we thought they were absolutely amazing so when it was us we were really surprised because in a weird way we were kind of gunning for them
2: <laughs> that's that's fantastic now parampia talk us through what happened next so we announced your name your names suddenly going there like we won what happened next talk us through the next couple of hours and maybe also the next couple of weeks
1: well um if we if we're going on a small scale i think right, right after that I, I went to the toilet um i, I was very nervous <laughs> uh, during the, the recording <laughs> uh, you, you could ask joanna i was drinking a lot of water uh, during that because uh i was uh, I, I i didn't know which way it was gonna go and i was quite on edge um <laughs> uh, so I, I i dashed to the loo right after that um and then uh, no, on, on, on a broader scale, I think right after that, everybody, everybody at the UK office was uh, obviously giving their congratulations, and it was quite a, a different experience for us as we we were obviously on on campus just with our heads down, get, getting on with our work and. We'd, we'd get messages from our, our friends and we'd see that we were in random news articles and uh, people wanted to do like this po- podcast with us um, to just kind of learn a bit more about the idea in it. And yeah, I think it kind of caught us off guard initially at the start. And uh, it was just it was just a really nice and, and humbling experience, really.
2: Tell us about the name of the company, uh, Parambia, because when I, when I initially read the name was Lava Aqua X, I was obviously thinking about lava as unlike volcanoes and stuff turns out it's a bit different yes
1: so um lava is actually the latin word for to wash um and we thought it was just you know perfect on the nose for our our idea it's also simple short very quick and easy to say um and 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 hopefully very catchy as well which is you know what we're kind of kind of going for at the time it's
2: super smart and i had a lesson for eight years in school and i had no clue (laughs) it's super smart and now that i've kind of found out in the build-up to this podcast i was like oh man that's just a very smart name but whenever i i I read your name before i was always thinking of lava like in you know volcanoes and stuff but that's my inner 12 year old which i which i kind of like having my inner 12 year old is usually someone who gets very excited by random stuff um do you have an inner 12 year old china (laughs)
3: <laughs> definitely um i found myself like growing up and, and taking apart products or like legos or looking at stuff and it was always a bit some people find it strange especially like packaging or really interesting things that is folded or or done in a certain way um and i guess that's probably my inner child like messing with things <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, my, my, my feeling is a lot of entrepreneurs I meet are the ones who still have a very active inner 12-year-old who just gets so excited about taking things apart, questioning things. And as I said early on, who's happy to dream and then also mad enough to actually try and make the dream a reality. And I also heard, heard you giggle a little along, Perunvir. So what's your take on your inner 12-year-old? I think mine would be... Very similar to Joanna's. Uh, I was have, I was simply
1: laughing because uh, I wanted to honestly hear what Joanna's in a 12-year-old would be. But uh, no, I think mine would honestly be uh, very similar. I, I really enjoy taking things apart, um, making things. I'm really interested in packaging and, and I enjoy the kind of tech side of stuff as well. Um, and, and that's kind of carry through to, to, to me right now. Um, I, I, I enjoyed... DT when I was younger and, and that's basically the reason that I decided to, to take uh, product design at, at university because uh, I enjoyed it so much um, so it's kind of like I'm I'm living the life of, of what I wanted to be when I was 12 years old
2: And <laughs> I mean for me the thing is that's the beauty around entrepreneurship is you can you can create your life the way you want it to be because you are the one, who, who who calls the shots and you are the one who is responsible for the good things and the bad things. Is that something, what was also an initial pull factor around the world of entrepreneurship? What made you sign up at the Entrepreneur, uh, what was it, the Entrepreneurial Society, Joanna?
3: Yeah, so both sort of myself and Parinvet were on placement, uh, sort of for our third year with companies. Um, and I was sort of working on my company and like to to be honest I didn't get along with my manager (laughs) Um, like uh, I I found it really really sort of difficult working I really enjoyed the work Um, and it's sort of in that moment that I realized because I'd never really I'd worked for a few other smaller places before but this is the first time that I kind of realized that actually the working environment that you're in sort of makes or breaks your day. And I tried so hard to get this job and I was so in love with it. And then sort of the working environment kind of really broke it and really upset me a little bit. So I have to admit the idea of entrepreneurship and having the control over that and having um, a good working environment and sort of a really positive community was just, um, it was just really, it was something I wanted to do.
2: Now, I bet there's a couple of people listening in and going like, hell yeah, that's me. I I want to totally do this. But what are some of the things you would have loved to have known in advance? If you could travel back in time now, before you took your first, first entrepreneurial steps and before signing up to Basement, what's like that one bit of advice you would love to give yourself? And I'll start with Joanna and then move to primary on this one.
3: Oh... My first piece of advice would probably be find a partner with money. <laughs> um, I think, I think, yeah, the, the hardest thing with entrepreneurship is is getting the initial funds to start. Um, and it doesn't even have to be the initial funding for your project. It's just the initial funding to live. So because you then can't take on jobs because you don't have that time, um, you then can't pay rent um, and you're kind of stuck in this loop. Um so so honestly it would be like start looking for money as soon as possible <laughs> yeah
2: because that's this, this bombshell around entrepreneurship a lot of people on the outside think well basically it's you have an idea you pitch it and you get stupid amounts of money overnight but that's not true is it Joanna?
3: No <laughs> unfortunately no. it's not
2: <laughs> and, I, and I'm loving that and I, mean, and I mean to kind of close this podcast um, I would have a little bit of a challenge for the two if you know also give you some time to think and the idea is that you come up with one prediction and this is something this could be about your company it could be about your space it could be about anything and a prediction is something where you say this is totally going to happen boom and a moonshot and the moonshot is based around the great jfk who obviously in the early 1960s had his moonshot speech where he said, at the end of this decade, we're going to put someone on the moon, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. So something which is extremely difficult, extremely unlikely, but something super near and dear to your heart, where you say, I want to put this out there. This is something I believe in. I want this to work. Now, I'll try and summarize what we learned in the last couple of minutes. And before I do that, I'd just like to know who of you is going to do the prediction and who of you is going to do the moonshot. Just say me and me. I mean, I'll, I'll do the moonshot. I don't. <laughs> Sweet, Joanna, you'll do the prediction then. So we talked about lava, and what we learned is that it's hard to build physical products. It's hard to build companies, but it's especially hard to build physical products because physical products require funding, and they require time but we also learned really clearly if you want to start a company if you want to change the world you will need one thing to make it work and that is purpose if you want to make a difference in the world think about the world of entrepreneurship if you do not have that question question if entrepreneurship is the right thing for you and what i also find is very interesting that we talked about how uh, how important it is to remain curious to remain interested to have that love and i love the way that two of you talked about the ability of taking apart other products trying to understand why they work why they don't work and i really loved how humble the two of you were in the approach that even when you were in the finals you're rooting for a different product because you thought it was so amazing and then you won. So no pressure on the two of you, but our expectations for you in the next couple of years are really high. The only thing higher is our expectations on your prediction and on your moonshot. Let's start with the prediction.
3: I guess my biggest prediction, and it's more that I'm sort of crossing my fingers because it's something that I want, but I'm going to say it anyway. (laughs) Um, My prediction is that a lot of the global giants are going to start getting taken down by eco companies. Um, because there's going to be legislation and people are going to start understanding the damage and the lack of care these companies have. And I have faith in the public to take them down.
2: (laughs) Great prediction. Moonshot. What we as LAVA want
1: to achieve is hopefully within about five years, we want to sell 400,000 units, which is is quite a lot. And, And we've calculated that that would be... Enough to save the amount of drinking water for the population of, of Greater London, um, which is, is is quite a lot of uh, <laughs> quite a lot of water uh, that we'd be able to save. But uh, I think that's kind of what we're we're shooting for the moon for, where we're hoping we could sell four hundred thousand units of uh, the Aqua X.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. So within five years, can you're going you can to save the drinking water for the entire population of London. Yeah. I love that.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. You can find out more about Red Bull Basement and even apply yourself at redbullbasement.com. And remember, we've got two more episodes coming in our three-part mini-series featuring 2019 winners Ord Vice and 2018 winners Vacant. If you're new to the show, then there are loads more episodes from Seasons 2 and 3 to check out, all packed with amazing stories from people who push themselves beyond the ordinary.